Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Welcome to Sicily. La Dolce Vista. You bring your assistant to a vacation with your husband. It's not like she's going to be in our bed and stuff. Flirting is one of the pleasures of life. You're 80 years old. But the women I desire remain young. You can relate to that. Are these the kind of people we're going to be hanging out with now? It's like, you got rich, and now he's your best friend. You guys partying? That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. What happened last night? Just been a series of very bad decisions. We've had very bad luck. Best thing about luck is it can always change. Billy's just so romantic. You're gonna die. They're gonna have to drag you out of here. As we continue our seasonal look at Emmy contenders, in this episode, we're joined by the White Lotus editor, John M. Valerio, whose credits also include Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, The Old Man, Shameless, and Parks and Rec. John won an Emmy a year ago for the final episode of The White Lotus Season 1, titled Departures. And earlier this year, he won an American Cinema Editor's Eddie Award for the finale of Season 2, Arrivederci. We'll talk about Season 2 in this episode. I'm Carolyn Giardino. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. So as we were just talking about, you have this um, this broad range of work you've done, you know, drama, comedy. What do you like to edit the most? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I I love, I, I've always drawn to dramas. Um, and when I, when I first started, it was all comedy. Um, as a young editor, you, you know, you're just sort of you want to work, right? So you want to get the jobs that are offered to you. And it just so happened that my, my mentor at the time, um, who I was assisting for, um, Dean Holland, he was a big, you know, he was a pretty big comedy editor, you know, on the office. Um, so all of my jobs were all comedies and I was doing that for a while. And, um, he introduced me to the other Holland in my life. Um, Todd Holland, who was, very well-known um, director and mentored me through my, you know, early years um, doing comedy. So, but my heart was always in drama and I was looking for a way out of comedy. 
um, to, but you get like anything here, you know, you kind of get typecast and everyone just, they were very reluctant to give me opportunities to cut dramas. And it was, well, you're a comedy editor. And I'm like, I'm not even funny. Like what, <laughs> you know, what, how, how is it that I'm a comedy ed- editor? So, um, fortunately I was able to sort of break out of it and, um, you know, I enjoy comedy, but yes, my heart is in, in, in drama. Well, let's talk about season two. It's set at a White Lotus resort in Italy and begins with the discovery of a body in the sea. And then the story begins a week earlier. Uh, so throughout the series, we know that something nefarious will happen. To start, would you talk about just how you approach the season and use Mr. X to keep the audience guessing as to who will not survive the week? Well, I don't know if it was, it was, there was very much that, um, you know, I, I did editorially. I think a lot of it was, you know, the way Mike had, had written the season. I don't think there were any tricks I had to do, too many tricks that, you know, I had to do in editing. I think, actually, no, I, I take that back. Actually, we were careful about how we were cutting um, Quentin and 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 the gays and you know Quentin could have been you know uh, a very twirly mustachioed uh, villain throughout the season you know he Tom Hollander gave us you know quite a you know with his performance throughout takes there were there was you know, without the spectrum, there was the sort of vill- more of a, a villainous take, more of a friendly take. And so we, we sort of struck a, a balance of, okay, at what point do we want to get a sense that there's something wrong with this guy and he's and, and his intentions are, you know, doesn't really have the best of intentions here. So, um, I think uh, that was sort of one of the main things we, you know, we did as far as trying to um, sort of keep it um, sort of not tipping our hat as to like, okay, this, this guy, Quentin, he's our, he's our bad, he's our bad guy. Right. What did you have to work with? Do they do a lot of takes on the show? Yeah. I mean, not a ton. Um, I, I mean, I'd say an average amount, um, anywhere, you know, between, I don't know, four or five, maybe as many as 11, 12 takes. Um, I mean, I've, it's nothing like stories I've heard of, you know, other shows where you hear things like hundreds of literally a hundred takes, nothing like that, but it was, you know, a fair amount. I think, um, you know, once, once, Mike has his performance dialed in, you know, you can, you can really see the process of him working with his actors. And I think once he gets what he wants, he just, you know, he'll just, he just sort of, he knows he has it and he moves on. So, um, um, but within that, within those takes, there's, you know, the actors always give us such, you know, um, sort of, you know, a wide palette of things to sort of, to play with, um, different colors, different sort of tones. Um, so, um, 
you know, like I mentioned with um, the Quentin character, you know, how far do we take him so that he's just this sort of really obviously bad guy or, oh, no, actually, Quentin, he's a really friendly, fun guy who's who just wants to, you know, show Jennifer, show Tanya a good time. And then also, you know, Jennifer, she's she's amazing. You know, she'll always give you. <laughs> far more than you could ever need. Um, and uh, the challenge with her is just of all the, all the gold you have. And, you know, it's just, all right, which, you know, how do we dial this in with, with all of that, you know? Well, let's talk about the final episode and um, the point at which Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya and Portia played by Haley Lou Richardson realize what's happening. I think up until they sort of have this moment together on the phone call on the yacht, each character individually is sort of making their own little discoveries. Portia is sort of discovering on her own that things are not quite what they seem with Jack. Um, uh, you know, and, and Tanya's character sort of, seeing that, that that photo, you know, at the party. Um, but I think it's really sort of Portia who figures it out and sort of calls Tanya and sort of, you know, it's like trying to warn her that something's up and Tanya isn't quite buying it at first until she has that sort of, you know, that sort of, that aha moment when she remembers the photograph. So, um, you know, it was, and, and then, you know, throughout, through, I think throughout sort of the, the, the buildup to that, it, it, we were, so we wanted to have fun with how much we, you know, again, talking about the reveal of, of who's di- who, who dies at the end, kind of wanted to have fun with, and, and be careful about how much, how much we tip it, you know, how much, how, how soon do we sort of, you know, how many kernels are we, do we want to leave to sort of, you know, let, let people in on what's about to happen. Or I know people would watch and have fun and sort of have their own theories based on um, certain, you know, little clues, or maybe it was just a slight comment or look, or just a simple look that maybe Quentin gives Tanya at a, you know, at a, in in a moment or, you know, the party, you know, there's that shot that, you know, the, the big party in in episode six, when, you know, she's, he, she's, you know, doing cocaine and having, and then you have that shot of that look, that one look of Quentin that she sees. And it's just, sort of, um, you know, just, it's kind of a slow burn build to these two characters realizing, you know, uh Oh, something, something, something is up. And I think once the phone call happens, that's when it's like, okay, it's all on. It's, you know, they're, they're aware of the plan. And, um, I think it was just sort of crafting the moments up to that phone call on the yacht. Let's talk about that final scene on the boat. Then um, she's aware of what's happening. You see the terror in her face, and then uh, she goes in the back and finds the gun. Tell us about cutting 
that sequence. And then you kind of gave the audience a moment to think that everything was going to be okay for her. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's great. Tell us about cutting that last scene on the boat. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. So as I think by the time we're, we're on that dinner scene on the boat, I think the audience has a pretty good idea that of, of what's happening, but at the same time, and I, I remember kind of having discussions about this. We just, we wanted to push it as much as we can, even though you're pretty sure that, that Quentin's the bad guy and they have a, they have this sort of devious plan to, to, to kill Tanya. We still, I think, well, at least for me, I, I don't want to speak for Mike, but I always at approaching this in, still wanted to leave a l- at least a little bit of reasonable doubt that maybe it could still possibly just be all in her head. And maybe she's just being super paranoid and neurotic. So even when, you know, again, talking about the performances of Quentin, there are performances of Quentin on that boat where he is just all the way, like, I'm the bad guy. You're dead. We're, you know, we're coming, but we, I, like, I still wanted to sort of, like I said, keep a little bit of reasonable doubt there about his intentions. And so we kind of tempered that down a little bit so that maybe it is, maybe she is just being paranoid. So even when, you know, you can see the terror in her face and even when she grabs that bat, you know, she gets up, runs to the bathroom, grabs the bag, goes in, shuts herself in the, in the bed, in the cabin. There, the, there were options to sort of shoot, you know, you shoot, we had coverage of as soon as she runs, Quentin, Niccolo, they all get up and chase after her. But we thought, okay, let's just, let's just keep it all in Tanya's POV. So we just... We see her run in the bedroom. She's in the bedroom, close the door. That's it. We do not see anything other than what she sees. So even when, you know, so it's, it's sort of, I think when she's in the bedroom and she sees the gun and they're banging on the door, it just was just pushing it as far as we could push it to this sort of, to the moment where, yeah, they're after her. And I think what's really great about this is that it is all from her POV. Um, you're just, you're in there. And I think it's, it's very limited cutting. There's a few cuts in the bedroom, but I think it's very, it, it, it was just very strong to keep it on her point of view and an almost one take. And then when she comes out and she just starts blasting, we just pull her, you know, where the camera just is on her and pulls her out. And you just sort of, hear hear the gunshots hear the bodies falling and just you're just totally with her and i love that and i know i i know that's what that's what mike's intention was when he you know from the beginning when he shot it um and i i thought it was just you know really really great and um yeah and then yeah like you said you think oh my god she she made it she's okay everyone takes a sigh of relief and you have that, that really funny line. She, you know, she, that question, she, I think is very funny. It sort of, you know, it's like breaks the tension where she's made it out. She's survived her, 
you know, she's survived their, their evil scheme and she's holding the gun and she's just like, is Greg having an affair? And just like, just like such a funny moment to sort of like, Oh, okay. She made it. And then we follow her around and yeah, I think then we, um, the last thing you'd think after that is that she's going to die this sort of the what I think Mike calls it a derpy death. Uh, I, I heard him say in an interview, which is kind of funny. So yeah, she just dies this sort of derpy death, just falling off the side of the boat after all of that. So I thought that was really, uh, really brilliant and, and fun to do. And um, also, you know, in that moment when she falls off the boat, we just kind of wanted it to just be a very simple fall off, nothing overcut where it's, you know, it's where it could, you know, where a fall, you know, you have these multiple overcut things where then it just feels like you're in some sort of action movie. Um, but it's just, just a simple fall in one shot dunk. And, and it's just, I love how it just one, one shot, she falls dunk and you just hold on that shot, just waiting. Oh my gosh. What is she, is she going to come up? Did she, did that just happen? What's going on here? You know, and I'm just sort of holding that moment and letting people just, what, what did I just see? You know? So, um, yeah, it was, it's, it was a really fun uh, sequence and we're, you know, very proud of it, obviously. Now you, you said you had coverage of them chasing her. Um, was there an alternative ending or what, what was that about? No, no, that was always, that was the, all, that was the, that was the cut um, there. We didn't, we never did an all. It was just, you know, on the day with shooting, um, they covered it from another, you know, another, a number of different angles and that, and there was coverage of them getting up, chasing her. We had coverage of Quentin outside the, the bedroom uh, the cabin door, um, you know, you see them running up, chasing after her to the, but we just, we just left it all with Tanya. Um, and that was always, I think that was always the intent and we never had any all cut of that. It was always that. So while the storyline's happening, you also had a lot of other characters and multiple storylines to keep active in this episode. Uh, would you like to talk about that? Yeah, that's anytime you do uh, a show with what's, you know, a big ensemble like this in multiple stories. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit. It, it is. It is tricky to balance all of these stories and make sure you're, you know, you're reaching a satisfying conclusion. Um, so, you know, making sure that we're sort of you know, that the pace is feeling right. We're not taking too long with or leaning too heavily on, you know, one storyline over the other. Although I think, and this, again, this is just the, you know, Mike White's genius. I think, you know, just the way he, 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 he just knows he's just so smart and he, he knows how to, you know, write these kinds of things. And so I think, sort of episodes six and seven sort of it's sort of they both act to resolve certain storylines so it's not like i think sort of episode six sort of resolves the storyline around um you know the 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 the, the degrassos uh bert albie and dominic 
Um, and so it's not all happening in the finale. I think the finale is sort of, you know, leans heavily on um, Tanya's character and the couple's character, you know, and I think um, so it, it sort of gives us room not to have to juggle too many, too many plates at one time. So that was great where we didn't work. But um, I think we just sort of, you know, it's just, you just sort of feel as you, you know, watching, you kind of feel it out and feel like if, if we're, if we're in it and engaged in what's happening with Tanya and we're not missing anything else, then we don't need to, we don't need to cut away. We're, we're with her. And I think it, um, you know, there were certainly a lot of things that we had to cut um, from just dialogue. There was a lot of dialogue that we had to cut with Tanya's scenes, but it, it's just sort of feeling it out, just making sure that we're not, we're just feeling that we're not staying, overstaying our welcome in this one place. And, and it, when we get to that place where you're feeling like, all right, we're sort of we're sort of treading water here. Um, not really getting much more out of this. What's happening with our other characters? Sort of just sort of we play it and watch it and review it and sort of feel where those. Well, okay, well maybe this this the, these lines of dialogue can go. Maybe we don't need this whole this whole piece of the conversation so that we can um, between Tanya and Quentin. And, you know, there was, there was, a, there was quite, there was actually quite, uh, there was a lot more conversation on the yacht, um, between Tanya and Quentin that, um, that we just real, we just, you know, it didn't need it. It didn't, it didn't. Um, and, and Mike is just, he just, he's not precious at all about anything. He, he's the first one to just be like, lose that. I don't want it. We don't need it. Get rid of that. Um, that's not, you know, that's not helping us. So, um, I think that's it, you know, just sort of feeling it out and knowing when you sort of, uh, we need to, we need to step away and check in with our other characters. And, um, uh, but it, it, like I said, it was a little easier because I think with the finale, it was mainly sort of focused on Tanya's story and the couples, the spillers and the, and, um, the Sullivans, um, so, yeah, and Valentina's story, she, you know, hers was, you know, so a lot of stories were kind of wrapped up in the, in the, in the, in episode six. You talked about Tom Hollander's performance. Do you want to talk a little about cutting Jennifer Coolidge's? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, Jennifer Coolidge, it, I mean, as you can, as you can probably imagine, uh, the, the, just gets so much brilliance you know, so many, you know, so much gold. And the really challenging thing is of all of this, how do, how do we, um, what do we keep? Right. That's the challenge. Like, what do we, you know, love to keep it all, but, uh, she just, you know, she just give you her own, improv lines mike would throw her improv lines um and the you know the two of them they're they you know they work they work very well together and you know she trusts they trust each other so much and so she would just you know come up with her hilarious you know ad-lib lines and 
between her ad lib lines and Mike throwing out ad lib lines, I would say, and and I please, I I mean this in the best possible way, and I, it's it. I hope it, it's a compliment, but her scenes were the most difficult to cut because of that, because of how great she was, because there was so much great stuff, and it just it just took a lot of work to sort of because there was so much of it, sort of getting it sort of in this place that was that sort of you're, you're moving the story and it's streamlined and consistent because, because she's so talented, there would be moments where it's hilarious, but okay, maybe it's not quite in, in the tone of what the scene needs to be. And so then it becomes, well, do we keep, this thing that's like really funny or do we sort of go with okay this even though that's a really funny thing i don't think people are gonna buy it or it doesn't really it, it it's not grounded in where her character is is right right now um so yeah i i, I just yeah <laughs> i i i just remember cutting dailies and on you know looking at the you know, one liner at the days it was all, you know, Jennifer scenes. I'm like, Oh boy, you know, these are going to be, these are going to be really fun days, but, uh, long days. Cause I just know, you know, when you, when you have actors, they just sort of give you what it is and, and it's great. It's, you know, it cuts together really easy. It's pretty straightforward. Right. But with, with you have someone like Jennifer who's just, you know, gives you all these amazing things that, you're just like, oh my God, I want that. I want that. I want that. But how do I get from there to there? Because, you know, because she gives, gives you so many of these amazing sort of improv lines, sometimes they're disjointed, but you want to connect them in a way. So you're trying to find a way to connect them to make them feel like they're all, you know, all part of the story. So do you want to give a shout out to the editorial team? Yeah, no. Um, you know, editor Heather Persons, she, it's amazing. She helped me so much, you know, in the first season when, you know, when I came on and she had, you know, she had worked with Mike before and, and um, I think they had done a lot more things recently. And so it was, you know, it was great when I kind of came in and she sort of, you know, you know, helped me in a big way. And, um, you know, it was, we sort of collaborated a lot on, you know, and just sort of talking about what I was just saying or just, like discussing our Jennifer Coolidge scenes. And um, so, yeah, it was such a great, a great time with everybody. And, and my assistant, um, you know, Zoe Bauer and um, her assistant, Bob Allen and everybody, um, you know, in post, it was, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great experience. And what can you tell us about season three? I, pro- I probably know as much as you. Um, I know it's, yeah, I know it's in Thailand. I think uh, Mike talked about it sort of, I don't know if this is still the case, but he talked about it sort of exploring death and, you know, religions. And um, I know, I think I just saw that um, uh, Natasha Rothwell is returning as as Belinda. I saw that in the trades. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, I, I, that's, that's really as much as I know, I'm sort of been in the trenches, my own, you know, you know, kind of doing my own thing. So I haven't had too many, too many conversations with Mike, 
about um, season three. Uh, I know he's, you know, he's out there now getting ready to write. So, What are you working on at the moment? Uh, old Man, season two of The Old Man. Yeah, it's funny how season one, I was old man right into White Lotus. And now here I am, season two, old man. And if timing works out, it'll be old man right into White Lotus again. Well, congratulations on all your great work and uh, and thanks Thank for joining so us. Much. This was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.